Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Exurga deus dissipentur inimici eius, et fugiancio derunteum aface eius. Let God arise, and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangeli, defendenos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidias diabolias do praesidium. Imperatili Deus supplicas de precamor, duque princeps militae calestis, satra maliosque spiritus malignos, quia perditionem animarum, per vegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum letrude. Amen. Mater dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Beatis Carolus Doma Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine ostende facim tuum et salvi erimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Cogeprio est. Nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. It's been actually kind of difficult to come up with something new to talk about, and it's not because there's not a whole bunch of stuff going on. Truth be told, there's a bunch of stuff going on. But I wanted to reduce what I talked about to the things that are actually important. <clears throat> There was a consecration that happened this past Friday on the Feast of the Annunciation. And whether or not it serves to be enough or whether or not it was too much, honestly, ultimately, that doesn't matter. We have, particularly when you're talking about conversions, and this is where it gets really kind of funny. So... The Spanish arrived in the New World, 1493-1494, um, and, and over the, about the next 10 to 15 years, there would be massive amounts of explore, exploration missions and things of that nature. Spanish Franciscans and French Jesuits and, and all sorts of people would begin to make their way over into the New World. And there would be next to zero conversion. Let me say that again. There would be, for a very long time, next to zero conversion. And because conversion, when, 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 it, when it happens under the standard fare, you're not just going to get like 50,000 converts in a, in a region and all of a sudden the whole world's going to be Catholic and it's going to be, and it's going to be, you know, all Ave Marias and the whole nine yards. No, that's not typically how it happens. It takes time. And you can see this in the development of the Japanese community, Catholic communities, the Vietnamese Catholic communities, um, the, the Chinese Catholic communities, like a lot of the remaining Catholic communities, and to be sure, most of Africa, the Catholic communities that were created and that were converted in Africa, they took time. And they take the kind of time where the church actually can kind of plan for it taking right about five generations to go from perfect from perfectly diabolically pagan to perfectly Catholic. About five generations. Things take time. People must learn the faith. 
You have to teach them. In many cases, you have to teach them to read and write and this, that, and the other. There's a whole bunch of stuff. For the very longest time, in fact, actually close to a complete full generation, there was almost no headway made in the new world until La Virgen de Guadalupe. And that year was a year that marked a dramatic change, where on average they would get 10 to 12 converts a year. All of a sudden you got this tidal wave. And over the course of the next few years, more than 10 million Mexica people, Mexican people, would convert to Catholicism. Miraculous in that, it, again, from maybe a couple dozen a year to millions. Massive conversions. So here's where you got to ask yourself the question. Russia was already making its way towards Christianity. And to be sure, it's not Catholic Christianity, but it was already making its way towards Christianity. It was already making its way back to Christ. So what does a miraculous conversion look like in a country that is ostensibly Christian? Like, visibly, what changes? There's a declaration that you know, at some point people just say, yeah, no, we're down, we're down with the Holy Father. We're down with the papacy. We're down with, with Rome. We're going to reunite with Rome. Okay, but what changes? Think about this. In a country that already has Orthodox, Orthodox Christianity making its own headway, What does a miraculous conversion of Russia look like? Does it look like they suddenly pull their troops out? No. The Russian culture believes that Ukraine, the word Ukraine, I was almost, I, I, I got to be honest with you, I kind of laughed when I heard it because the word Ukraine, like when people say, oh, it's not, it's not the Ukraine, it's Ukraine. Now, brah, it's the Ukraine. Because the word Ukraine means borderlands. And you don't say borderlands, you say the borderlands. We're headed to borderlands. No, unless borderlands is the name of the bar, it's the borderland. The Ukraine. Now, if they want to change the name of the country, that's fine. But if Ukraine means borderland... What's it bordering? And does not borderland. I mean, Ukraine basically means frontier. We, should, we may as well say the conversion of La Frontera. What does it mean for massive conversion in Ukraine? Well, that might actually show some change. Because at some point there you're going to talk about some serious pushback against the New World Order. And to be sure, there's going to be some pushback against that whole Nazi thing that Ukraine has going on for it. I don't know exactly what it looks like, because here's the thing. When you're talking about, when you're talking about these, these upstart movements, they look very much like tradition, like normal Western cultural tradition. They, they look like nationalism. They look like... Well, they don't look like anything extreme. They look like some changes in some political policies. In truth, here's where it's going to get really funny. The miracle of the consecration could be the rapid, miraculous conversion of both the Russian and Ukrainian peoples. But how are we going to tell? Seriously. Do you think they're going to depose Vladimir Putin? Nothing, he, nothing Vladimir Putin's done changes 
if the banner changes to Catholicism. You're like, oh, but this, no. No. They didn't engage in firebombing. Like, all of the things that they say are going on in Ukraine. And to be sure, obviously, it's a conflict zone. And I'm fully aware of the sort of pain and suffering that happens in conflict zones. I'm also fully aware of the fact that if th- this is not the Afghan genocide or attempted genocide. I'm not even certain that Russia attempted a genocide in Afghanistan, to be sure. Not that you could tell, because the Afghans breed the way Catholics are supposed to. A dozen per generation. What's going to change in the media? Are they going to change in their coverage? No, they're going to get much, much worse. Russia converts to Catholicism. You think that's going to be better for the media coverage in Ukraine? I mean, think about... Think about what they were trying to say about the Polish government because some 14-year-old boy stood in front of a gay pride march with a crucifix. And that was enough to lambaste the entire nation of Poland, despite the fact that, quite clearly, the boy was on his own. The boy also was subsequently arrested. What do you think visibly changes in a, with a media that's gone so far off the deep end to the left what do you what do you expect to see i mean did you expect another miracle of the sun we had one of those it was the whole point behind pushing for the consecration in the first place so here's the thing i'm listening to a lot of people who who are actually in no position to really have a strong opinion one way or the other. They can definitely say whatever it is that they want to say. It is, of course, their, it is, of course, their right to do so. But we, as I record this, are one day removed. And I have basically seen enough in social media enough from Catholic podcasts and all of them are Catholic podcasts and all of them are traditionally Catholic and all of them are podcasts that I regularly tune into and all of them when they hedge they hedge in the most insulting way possible So here's how I'm going to hedge. You're not going to see it. If everything went the way it was supposed to go, if the Pope managed to check all the blocks according to what heaven desired, you're not going to notice. Because we live in a world where the media is not going to talk about these things. The war is not just going to suddenly end. Okay? The conflict over there isn't just going to suddenly end. Maybe it'll end. But that's not how these things work. I mean, unless, unless both the Ukrainian and Russian government and and all of their troops suddenly just drop their weapons to the ground and go running in the, and just go running on home, you're not going to note, like, it's not going to change anything. I saw enough videos of, of people going to Ukraine and just kind of catching videos to try and ch- just try to see for themselves and posting the videos online. I saw enough videos where you could say, oh no, there's really nothing going on. And there were plenty of videos that were fake of drastic, crazy things going on, but they were fake videos. So what does that tell me? That tells me that the globalists are going to globalize and that Russia is going to rust. Excuse me, let me rephrase that. And Russia is going to roost and Ukraine's going to border and that's, and things are going to carry on. But the narratives in the media are probably not going to significantly change. Probably. Because what would be the miracle 
what would be the miracle for the consecration of Russia and the world and all of humanity to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. The miracle would be everybody shuts up instead of lies and they only open their mouth to tell the truth. And you and I both know that is not going to happen. What is more likely is we're going to shift focus and Ukraine is going to be forgotten. Because the globalists are going to globalize and they're going to try and find another way to do it. And that... That is what you can expect. Because the people... Because here's the thing. His Holiness Pope Francis did not consecrate journalists and media companies to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And to be sure, I really wish he would have. But he didn't. He consecrated all of humanity. He consecrated Russia. And he consecrated Ukraine. Nowhere in there was the consecration of the United States of America. I really wish he would do that one too. Nowhere in there was a consecration of any other nation or any other organization. He didn't consecrate the United Nations. And not to put too fine a point on it, if he would have consecrated the United Nations, that would have been pretty dope. Let's talk, let's talk about prayers evoking the things that you pray for and things going really, really odd. He didn't, consecrate, he didn't consecrate the World Economic Forum, and so they're not going to stop doing their thing. He didn't consecrate social media, so they're not going to stop their thing. All of the things he didn't talk about are all of the things that we're actually always paying attention to. And let's be real for just a moment. Russia and Ukraine, for all of the coverage that they even got on this podcast, was a sideshow. And maybe that's my unpopular opinion, is this is what happens when a sideshow becomes the main event. Because whatever, whatever our Lord and Our Lady and God the Father and all of the people, persons, persons works better because people is a little too human. But all of the persons who are executing God's plan... None of it is going to catch me mainstream media. You might get a blurb here or a blurb there. But you really won't know that Russia has converted until we start hearing about an increase in priestly vocations. You won't hear about it until they go, wait a minute, there's a couple of there's a whole bunch of new religious institutions that have opened up. You're not going to hear about it. And that's that's kind of the thing that you got to realize is that everybody was looking at Russia and Ukraine and we're all looking to see the war end. And the war's end is not a contingent of the conversion of Russia. If the war ended in a week... We're still talking about something that, by and large, was a short-term offensive. If Kiev falls, are we going to look at that as suddenly, oh my goodness, God has abandoned us? Or is that the way the war is supposed to come to a close? Who among us are God that we know these things? I told you already that I don't believe necessarily that Russia is the enemy. And they're certainly not my enemy because they're not my direct enemy. You know who's my direct enemy? The Biden administration. The World Economic Forum. The United Nations. To some degree, the European Union. And the reason why the Biden administration and the World Economic Forum and the United Nations and the European Union are my enemy is because I choose 
to be on the side of God and our Lord and our Lady. And they choose to reject God, to reject our Lord, and to reject our Lady. And so, de facto, they're my enemy. The kind of peace that I want is the folding up of the tents of the United Nations and the World Economic Forum. The, the, the form of peace that I pray for every day is the end of the march towards global communism. And do you know how much Russia has to do with any of that? Nothing. you know how much Ukraine has to do with any of that? Nothing. I only care about vocations. I only care about people coming to the faith and filing their way into the Catholic Church, off to the monasteries, and into the seminaries. That's it. That is it. Full stop. End of list. Because if Our Lady is going to turn a miracle, that's the miracle that she's going to that she's going to manifest. It's going to be a dramatic increase in religious vocations. It's going to be a dramatic increase in church attendance. It's going to be a dramatic increase in faith. And it's not going to be noticeable from the status quo, at least not when it comes to Russia. Because I will tell you right now that for all of the people who seem to believe that Russia, oh goodness gracious, is so much different than, 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 than trads. No, they're not. They're not that different from trads. They're not that different from ortho bros. There's beef, obviously, but the theological beef doesn't compare... When you see it on the outside, the out the external difference between a trad and an orthobro is negligible. And the external difference between a traditional Catholic and the current Rokor thing that's going on in Russia is negligible. They're calling for a return to the family. They're calling for a return to traditional values. They're calling for a return to, to adhering to and obeying the Ten Commandments. They're calling for a return to Russian national culture, which only looks different to an American trad because America has no culture of its own. It is a weak dilution of the cultures of all over the world. And so you're not going to see the really strong Puerto Rican, the really strong Italian, the real... Like, you're going to get this sort of... Mula- you're going to get this sort of melange of garbage, white trash, old world philosophy. Because it's going to call back to the old world. But the fact is, is that we're American. We don't have a culture. There's no culture at the core of the American mythos. Try to find it. Seriously, try to find it. Who are our great artists in America? Who are our great musicians, our great composers in America? Who are they? Who could you put on the level with Mozart and Beethoven and Bach? Who could you put on the level with Michelangelo and, Bo- and, and Raphael and Donatello? Who could you put on a level with Leonardo da Vinci? Who could you put on a level with Shakespeare or Dostoevsky? You know what we have in America? We got George Lucas. We have Gene Roddenberry. We have Bill Murray. Maybe. We have Mel Brooks.
We don't have culture. There isn't an American culture. It doesn't exist. We have country music, we have hip-hop. Country music, which is, you know, kind of okay in the message, and hip-hop, which is thoroughly degenerate, by and large. Motown, maybe. Like, seriously, who do we have who can compare to the culture? What poets do we have that can compare to Dante Alighieri? Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Think about it. Look into it. What do we have as this baby-faced nation that muddled all of its culture by bringing in and mixing in everything from around the world? What do we have that is American? There are distinctive things that are Mexican, There are distinctive things that are Costa Rican. There are distinctive things that are Guatemalan. There are distinctive things that are Ecuadorian and Peruvian and Brazilian and Argentinian and Chilean. But what do we have in America? We used to have the cowboy. We used to have the gunslinger. But are we still that country anymore? Is there any more John Wayne or Clint Eastwood? Or even Bonnie and Clyde? And then even if there were, would you want to be? There's no traditional American garb-ish. There's certainly, well, let me take that back. There's no traditional American garb for New York, for San Francisco, for Los Angeles, 
There's no traditional American garb for Washington, D.C. or Jacksonville or Columbia. It's not really. And that's really the thing that we're going to have to deal with. Because we don't have a culture to return to. We have hundreds of cultures to return to. And not a one of them is traditionally American. And t-shirts and cargo shorts and baseball caps are not it. And it is not high fashion. That is not high culture. That is third world garbage. And if you want proof, I can show you volumes of National Geographic magazine where t-shirts and cargo shorts and ball caps are the traditional garb of places you've never heard and languages you've never spoken but you certainly have dumped millions of dollars to feed and clothe the children in those places. T-shirts and cargo shorts and baseball caps is the traditional garb of Haiti today. It wasn't once upon a time. It certainly is now in this day, in this day and age. And sweatpants and hoodies. The biggest problem that we're going to have with reclaiming our culture in the aftermath of this consecration, in the pushback, as we try to push back against all these psychopaths, is finding and settling in and discovering who we are. Because we're not India, and we're not China, and we're not Japan, that have a thousand years of particular clothing. of particular fabrics that have been used in traditional in traditional methods. We're not like Italy or Mexico. And if your brain's doing the right thing, as I'm naming all of these countries, you should be able to settle your brain. You should be able to settle an image in your mind of somebody who is dressed traditionally in that manner. And the only thing that we have in America is the cowboy and the mobster and the bank robber. Beyond that, we're nothing. Everything that we wore prior, all of that stuff, all of that stuff came from Europe. We brought that over with us. There's very little that we that we did on our own. And I don't believe that someone, that a trad living in, even in St. Louis, Missouri, is going to be all about wearing some, wearing some, uh, you know, some cowboy boots with some boot gut Levi's and a vest and a button down shirt and a very ugly pattern with pearl, with pearl buttons and a 10 gallon hat. I mean, maybe a few. Where I'm at, you can see that a little bit more often. But even where I'm at, that's all the old people. The young people today have no connection with that. So ask yourself, when the whole rest of the world gets to return to their traditions, how will you know that's happening in America? Because the American tradition has largely been anti-Catholic. This is the one country where we force the homogenization on you regardless of your skin color. We didn't call it homogenization, mind you, but up until right around 2010, there was this word that we would use for people who came to the United States legally 
and what the expectations were of them when they became U.S. citizens. You'll recognize the word. It's called assimilation. And we would assimilate them into the American culture. Which is really, really funny because aside from speaking English badly, no one can identify what that is. And certainly no one who lives in America who is an American citizen will be able to recognize properly what another country's conversion looks like. Because their conversion, especially if they go full traditional, means that they're going to reach back into their traditions and they're going to recover their culture. And their culture is decidedly distinct. Whereas our culture is McDonald's. So don't go too far in any direction. Yes, there's a possibility that Pope Francis botched it. But I'm not God, so I don't know. But I know enough about the rest of the world to know that the average American pundit Catholic or otherwise, isn't going to have any way to recognize the change in a country like Russia. You're not going to be able to recognize it because they were already headed in that direction. It just means that they're not going to stop at Rokor. They'll pass through Rokor, realize that the truths of the Catholic faith are in fact true. And remember that Rokor already looks like Byzantine Catholic, Russian-flavored Byzantine Catholicism. So how are you really going to be able to tell? The fruit will come out when their birth rate is up. The fruit will come out when, they, when, they, when their population swells. And the fruit will come out when their priestly vocations swell. But when are you going to see that? How long does it take to form a priest in seminary? Oh yeah, that's right. About eight or nine years. So we will know Russia was converted in 2032. And you'll be able to look back and say that Pope Francis did the consecration right. But I think probably the most wicked, obvious red flag of modernity, modernism, in the mind of every single Catholic is that we seem to, we seem to think that the conversion of Russia is going to happen at the speed of Twitter. And if that sounded ridiculous to you, it's because it should have. Because that's stupid on its face. So sit back, relax, and know that if the, what, several hundred million, the, the hundred million Russians converted over the weekend you're not going to know for a few years. So sit back, relax, and let God do his thing. And quit going after the Pope for five minutes. Please. First off, he's not that interesting. And second off, you already know what to expect from him. Why are we feeding on the outrage? We're always, we're like on this outrage porn thing. Don't you think that's taken away, taking us away from God? Like it's redirecting us away from what actually matters? I will tell you that thus far this Lent has been very fruitful. 
for me. It has been a tremendous blessing. But it's also drawing me closer to saying that it's about time for me to fold up the shop. It's not about being disgusted with the things that are going on in the Catholic world, because it's not like I'm going to stop paying attention to it. But as we continue to move forward, I don't want to be a contributor to it. It is better for us to keep our heads down and do the things that we are supposed to do according to our state and our status in life. than it is for us to get overly involved with all the other stuff. I told you, Menefrego, the globalists establish a new world order and I don't care because I'm just gonna be Catholic. The country is going to hell in a handbasket and I don't care because I'm just going to be Catholic. The Vatican has lost the faith. Rome has lost the faith all the way up to the Pope. And I don't care because I'm just going to be Catholic. <clears throat> because it's not about their salvation. It's about me. It's about my salvation. It's about your salvation. And all of this other crap, all of it, from the retardation coming out of the world leaders to the apostasy coming out from whatever levels of the church to the wars that are and rumors of wars all around the world. Me nefrego, I don't care. Because all of that crap is going to do is try to find a way to weasel its way in between my arms and the cross. And I ain't trying to hear that. I'm not trying to hear it. I'm not trying to deal with it. And I don't recommend that you try to deal with it either. Pay attention to what's going on in the world, to be sure. I've bought my emergency supplies. I've set aside the things that I need in order, in order to survive. I've made the preparations that I need to make for when things start to go pear-shaped. And as the dust begins to settle, I'll find a new way to move forward. And when that happens, and in the meantime, and while I'm waiting, I am just going to be Catholic. And I recommend that you do the same. And if you don't know what that is, then I recommend that you learn. You start with the texts like the, uh, the Catechism of the Council of Trent. You go, swing on to YouTube and wonderful channels like Census Fidelium, where you have plenty of priests... And this is the reason why I like census fidelium the most. Because you have plenty of priests who teach the faith. Who follow the liturgy. Who teach and shepherd their flock. Three to five messages. Three to five homilies from priests all around the world. Every single day. And it's not just there. Because you can go to the Institute of Christ the King and catch their sermons for salvation. And you can go to the Society of St. Pius X and check, and check out their news page. And you can go to church yourself. And you can pull, and you can pull up the videos with Father Chad Ripperger and Father Wolf and, all, and Father James Altman and all of the other really great priests who have managed to rise up and teach the faith the way it's supposed to be taught. We have it all there. 
And most of these guys know they're eventually going to get canceled from YouTube. So you can skip YouTube and go to Odyssey and you can skip Odyssey and go to BitChute and you can go to Gab and you can go to all these other places where they're still teaching the faith. Is it sexy? No, it's definitely not as sexy as wars and rumors of wars. Is it intriguing? No, it's definitely not as intriguing as sexual scandals and government corruption. But it's not poisonous, which is exactly what most of the rest of social media is. It's exactly what most of the rest of the mainstream media is. You got Restoring the Faith has a couple of particular sermons that are absolutely necessary for everybody to know. And RTF Mike does a great job in narrating them. You have Census Fidelium. Priest after priest after priest. You have the Institute of Christ the King. They have ICKSP. The Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest. um, ICKSP on YouTube. The Servants of the Good Shepherd and various other trad communities where you can, and old Roman TV, where you can go on there and get the homilies and be taught the faith by good priests. Are you going to agree with everything? No, but you know what? They're Catholic. They're Catholic in their perspective. They're Catholic in their doctrine. They're Catholic in their dogma. Are they going to be a little bit squiffy here and there? Yeah, but they're also going to be very uncomfortable too because they're going to remind you of all of the things that you really need to stop doing. Do I have a lot of fun recording the podcast? Absolutely, I do. Am I going to get back into the swing of things? I don't know, maybe. I may get into the great swing where I'm going back to being a wise ass Cracking jokes on all of these sorry people. But for right now, for Lent, I find myself needing to take everything I believe and put it into action within the four walls of my own home. And I hope that's the case for you, too, because that's exactly what this is for. It's for us to get close to our Lord. Lent is for us to share in His sacrifice. Lent is our time to say, Lord, you've done this for us. Let us do this for you. You think he's not going to appreciate it? Well, let me ask you this. Do you think he appreciates everybody squabbling over whether or not the Pope did his job right? Especially a bunch of unordained, unqualified laymen who are just as apt to make errors in one way or in one direction or the other. Because what I've noticed is most of the priests are like, look, it has the it had the elements, we'll see. And I expect that we will know for sure in 10 years. When priestly vocations change. When religious vocations change. They'll either change for the better or they'll change for the worse. But no matter what, they're going to change. And that'll be the and that'll be the telltale sign, because Russia will know that it needs priests, and there will be boys and men who answer the call, and there will be women who answer the call to become religious. But until then. How are we to know? Vladimir Putin's not going to come out on that. Well, I mean, he might come out on national TV and be like, yes, we're Catholic. I don't think that that's one of the 
plausible ways that this pans out, but no joke, the way as crazy as stuff's been, he might just be like, yo, Russia's gonna be a Catholic country from here on out. We're gonna be, we're gonna be following Rome. And I'd be willing to bet the, the reason why I don't, but actually the principal reason why I don't expect to hear that is because I'm pretty sure he's gonna wait until the Holy Father shows some sign of Catholicism. Which I think would be by far the more important conversion. And even if the Holy Father has converted, even if he gets that stunning thing, guess what's not going to happen? We're not going to know it for a few days. I don't know who the spiritual director of the Pope is. Seriously, I really don't. But I would imagine that even an, even a miraculous conversion is going to require some time to really sort of see. So maybe we just chillax. Maybe we get down off of our high horses. Maybe we stop pretending that we know better than God. And we wait. I vaguely remember reading something there. They that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll rise up with wings like an eagle. They'll run and not be weary. And they will walk and not faint. So maybe we just wait on the Lord. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 